church. Good morning, church. Shall we say catch a bubble? They wouldn't have any idea what that meant. Good morning, church. My, we're chatty this morning. And we're still chatty. And Margie Hamiller's giving me a look. Get your seat, Margie, right now. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Terry Christensen. I'm your worship guide for today. I have a few announcements. First, uh, let's not re forget that our charge conference, our 2022 charge conference is coming up. It's just a regular charge conference, and that will be on Saturday, October 15th at 9 a.m. Okay? Uh, ooh, I have everything crossed, oh, crossed out here. Blood drives. So we have some blood drives coming up at the church. They're going to be hosting. Um, our first one, we've set a date, November 23rd. 1 to 7 p.m. Now, November 23rd is a Wednesday, and it is the day before Thanksgiving, but it is also the Ohio State versus Michigan blood drive challenge. So if you can spare some blood, come on in, and let's uh, beat the team up north, I guess, uh, at least in the blood drive. <laughs> just saying, just saying. All right, one more announcement I have, and uh, uh, this went out on the prayer chain, but I we were asked to make this announcement, too, that Betty McCullough, former member Betty McCullough, died. She was 95. She died on October 6th, and her visitation is this week, uh, October 13th and 14th, um, 6 to 8 p.m. on the 13th, and on the 14th, 10 to 11, and then her service will follow that, at Spence in Pickerington. So um, I know I'm a good friend with her uh, son and daughter-in-law, and she fought a good fight, but it was time, and they were, they were blessed to be with her when she went, so... Um, and that's Betty, and I believe that's it. That's all I have for announcements. Um, any report on the ladies? Just a big thumbs up. A big thumbs up on Apple Butter Day, I think, for everyone. I think it was successful for everyone. It was a beautiful day, and uh, God was good. So at this time, if you'll quiet your hearts and minds for worship, we'll have the lighting of candles and the carrying in of the cross during the prayer.
Gary is going to lead us with guitar on this and sing along as you can and as you know. And it, as, as you get into it, if you don't know it, it'll be pretty easy to pick up. So have you seen Jesus, my Lord? Thank you. 
Please join me this morning in the opening prayer. Jesus Christ, you reign on high and sit at the right hand of the Father. All creation belongs to you and owes you homage. Help us to see you in your glory and always honor you in our hearts and actions. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, church. It's always a pleasure to be in worship with you, and it's great to have our choir back. We're so excited about that. Uh, we'll be sharing some music a little later here in the service. Uh, as we do uh, meet today, we do have a special update that we want to share with you. We're going to invite Jeff Myers to come down. We do have uh, some of the denominational decisions, uh, some uh, upcoming things we want to let you know about. That's my cheering crowd back there. <laughs> Uh, two things before I met, get into this. Number one, we welcome uh, Casey Ricker for her uh, first Sunday in church. She's less than two weeks old. There's, uh... <laughs> Looks like mom and dad did a nice job, so uh, <laughs> we welcome her uh, into worship. Uh, second of all, um, some of you audiophiles in the group may have noticed that the sound in here is a little bit different than it's been. We're using the new audio system for the very first time. Uh, those of you who are fairly observant will notice new speakers down here. Uh, those are being used. We're still using these up here. Uh, they seem to be working quite nicely. Uh, if you're in the alcoves or upstairs in the balcony, uh, the speakers up there are working well as well. And the choir, your monitors are working well as well. And we can make them even louder if you can't hear them. So uh, just uh, just let us know. We'll make it. Yeah, we'll find out. So uh, we're still kind of playing with it. It's the first Sunday, but hopefully as, as time goes on, number one, things will be a little bit better here in the worship center. And also for folks online, uh, you should get better, uh, better audio um, as we go through the process. So I do want to update you on the process about the denominational futures, future decision of uh, Grove 49 Methodist Church. Many of these things some of you already know, uh, but I want to just kind of bring you all up to date. August 14th. Uh, we met in this space as a church family to discuss points of view. A uh, motion was made at that point in time to ask the ministry table to formally uh, request a vote from the district superintendent at a church conference to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. Uh, the ministry table, of course, is our administrative body. Uh, September 17th, that body met. The ministry table formally voted to ask the district superintendent, Reverend Dr. Tim Bias, to schedule a church conference for the specific purpose of disaffiliation from the United Methodist Church. Remember, this vote must be held in person. Only church members can vote. Following week, a letter was sent uh, to the district superintendent under Pastor Jonathan's name, my name, and Larry Hilbert's name as co-lay leaders. Um, in that letter, we respectfully asked that Dr. Bias schedule this vote between mid-November and mid-December so that the vote could be concluded prior to some members' departure for the winter and uh, that the congregation could begin the process of healing following the vote as soon as possible. Dr. Bias has rejected that request. This means that the vote will be held in uh, early in 2023. We do not have a date at this point, uh, though we have a humbly requested in a second email that it be as early in January as possible. Although we've spent many hours over the summer with uh, presentations on this topic, Dr. Bias is requiring us to hold a church meeting to understand the process and to dispel some uh, inaccuracies he believes are being shared. That will be held on Thursday, November 10th, uh, in this space at 7 p.m. Thursday, November 10th at 7 p.m. I invite and ask for your attendance. 
Each of you who's a member of this church, and that includes our members who happen to be employees of the church, has a vote on this issue. It's impossible in a few minutes at this point to completely summarize all the information that one should have available to them to make a, a reasonable and conscious, a good conscious decision. Over the summer, we've held five different meetings uh, explaining the issues which have been recorded. Uh, these have been posted on YouTube and can be found by searching simply Roport UMC Denominational Future. Roport UMC Denominational Future. If you didn't attend the meetings and have not reviewed those videos already, I strongly suggest educating yourself about the issues. This is a topic that you want to be knowledgeable about so that when you're asked to vote, you can vote the way you think is best. The videos are the best place to start. If you have, still have questions after that, I'm happy to answer them um, and, and make my best attempt to answer those questions. It's vital to understand that Dr. Bias will tell us when he comes that we'll be asking to disaffiliate under what's called paragraph 2553 of the United Methodist Discipline. That paragraph allows a church to disaffiliate from the denomination for reasons of, reasons of conscience regarding changes in the discipline related to same-sex marriage or the ordination of self-avowed practicing homosexuals. It also allows disaffiliation from the denomination for reasons of conscience regarding the actions or inactions of the annual conference, that is the bishops and district superintendents, regarding these issues. Some folks who favor disaffiliation will tell you that they are more interested in differences in fundamental understandings of who Jesus is, the sanctity of the Bible, and the salvation offered by Jesus Christ. However, the Council of Bishops of the United Methodist Church is only permitting local churches to depart at this moment under paragraph 2553 and also maintain their property. So at this moment, if a church chooses to disaffiliate for reasons of conscience, this paragraph is our only choice. So I invite you, and I ask for your attendance on November 10th, 7 p.m. I also ask, if you have not already educated yourself on the issue, that you do so by using the videos that we've recorded, asking questions, and making sure you understand. With that, right, blessings to everyone, and um, we'll see you on November 10th. We'll see you, obviously, before then, but let's plan on November 10th. Thank you. And thank you, Jeff, for sharing that. I know it's uh, always not the most pleasant thing to do, but uh, I notice whenever a uh, family has uh, time to come together, uh, there's always an opportunity to become stronger through that. And so I hope and pray that that is what happens with our church as we walk through these days. Uh, it is not just our local church itself. Um, I'm aware of many, there's, I know about three or four churches that are actually having their disaffiliation vote today. So know that we're not alone in this. Uh, it is a struggle that our whole denomination is facing in many different ways. And so we not only pray for ourselves, but we pray for all those uh, in our denomination as well as we walk through these times. As we do mention prayer, we do want to, of course, go to the Lord. And I've mentioned many times that even in the midst of what is going on in our world, it never, uh, never allows us the privilege, I guess, to say that we don't put our hand to the plow. And so one of the things we want to lift up today is, of course, those, as we remember those that were affected by Hurricane Ian uh, and then a lot of the lives that have been destroyed and uprooted and upturned during that time. I want to mention to you, we have it printed in the bulletin, but I just want to draw your attention to it now. Uh, under our announcements, there is a section that just mentions about Hurricane Ian relief. And uh, one of the, the greatest organizations on the earth is UMCOR, which stands for United Methodist Committee on Relief. Uh, for those that don't know, and especially those online, maybe never heard this before, but uh, UMCOR is a branch of the United Methodist Church, uh, one of our uh, delegations in our relief committees. 
And uh, basically what they do is they go into uh, really bad situations, such as this hurricane, and they uh, basically set, they help for years to rebuild and do different things. Because of how the church is structured, uh, it makes it so that when stuff like this happens and you want to give money, you give money to this and enable it as such, it will 100% go uh, to the people that need it. And so it won't be used for things like uh, uh, you know, salaries or, or promotional materials or anything like that that sometimes has to be done in these. It actually goes straightly to the people who you want to help, and 100% of it does. So I do encourage you that uh, if your heart is, of course, uh, moved, which we all should be, um, and you have the ability and the, and the willingness, I do pray that you do uh, uh, look out for those in hurricane relief. And you can do that, uh, put in your bulletin, but just a reminder, you'd write an advance number. Those are just kind of designation of, of UMCOR's way of doing things. You just write advance on the memo line, and then this number, 901-670. Again, 901-670. Uh, and we'll make sure as we send that money into UMCOR, uh, we will make sure that that money gets to them as well. So if you can make that at the church, write that on there. We'll make sure that it goes directly to them. You want to mention uh, today, we do have a bunch of praises. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about, a lot of good things going on. Uh, as we already mentioned, a couple of these we're already celebrating here today, but we want to celebrate them again because they're worthy of double celebration. And so as we're here today, we do want to celebrate uh, for the first time ever in our church, KC, uh, known as Kaylee Claire, but we all know her as KC that we already mentioned here. And so we're celebrating with the Rickers and the birth of their daughter. Congratulations to you guys uh, here today. We do also, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We do want to take time to also celebrate a few other things. Uh, as we mentioned, also apple butter. I understand there was about 2,900 Buckeyes that were sold. Uh, before 1.30, I understand, or 2 o'clock at least, uh, was sold out, and uh, more Rada knives on top of that. And so we want to celebrate uh, the wonderful women's work there that was done and the money that will be raised to do great work uh, in our community and around abroad as well. Uh, we do want to just lift up a couple other different things uh, that you see here. Um, I had a, a kind of interesting re weekend. Um, Normally this doesn't happen, but I got to spend Friday night with some people from my last church that I served, and then I got to spend Saturday going to a wedding in Kentucky for one of the youth that I uh, served when I was a youth pastor. Um, and I just want to celebrate that, not just because it's neat to see, but I do want to just, I got to do a testimony a little bit here today. Uh, and, and nothing I share here is, is, he wrote it in his vows as he said this to his wife, so nothing I share here is so personal that he didn't want shared, but uh, the man's name is Hilly, Willie Henry, and uh, Willie was one of those children that didn't have a lot of opportunities in life at my church. He had a lot of things working against him. He had a lot of um, family dynamics that weren't uh, very, weren't setting him up for success. And uh, the church loved on him. From the time he was a child, loved on his family. From the time he was a child, all the way through his high school years. And things in his life uh, didn't quite go as well. He, he burned some opportunities that were given to him and, and that the church had sort of uh, helped with him. It got to the point uh, where he was living in a car with his dog, and that's all he had in his life. And uh, as a youth pastor of one of your former youth, of course, your heart is burdened with that. And um, I got to go to Kentucky yesterday, and I uh, got to see Willie for the first time. And um, I got to hug it out. <laughs> it was one of those awkward hugs where you just hug, and you just don't stop hugging, you know? And, uh, and he said to me, he said, uh, Pastor, I didn't even say Pastor, because he didn't know me as Pastor. He just knows me as, as John, right? And so he says, you know, John, just thank you, because I'm here today because of people like you. And uh, Willie now has a steady job and working it very well at Amazon. He has a house that he and his new wife just bought. He stood in front, and uh, he was a man. He, 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 in his vows, mentioned about how he had messed up in life and 
had been down to the lows, but that he was pledging to do something different, and with the strength of his new wife that had loved him despite all these things. And I sat there, and I sat in the back of an outdoor wedding and these little kind of benches, and the whole left side was all church people that had drove out to see him. Uh, both other youth group friends, as well as those that had helped in youth group, people that had just loved on them. And um, I just want to celebrate here, God is good. The seeds that were planted didn't go in vain, and the harvest was beautiful uh, to see Willie and his life change around and turn. And so um, I just celebrate that. I celebrate God. Because only God can do something like that in the promotions, like uh, in people like Willie's life. So thank you, Lord. Uh, as we uh, do, you want to celebrate uh, that as well as uh, a couple other things that we want to mention here today. We do have some sympathies to extend. We still uh, send our sympathies to the, the Nichols family, especially Rosella and the pastor, passing of her brother-in-law, Tony. We also want to uh, lift up, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, Betty McCullough, who again, we just want to mention this in case somebody sees us uh, later, but her visitation, she's a former member of ours, her visitation uh, is going to be on October 13th, uh, and also October 14th, but on the 13th, it's 6 to 8, on the 14th, it's 10 to 11, the service will be at 11 o'clock afterwards, and it is at Spence in Pickerington, and so uh, if you had a relationship with her, we sure want to let you know that here today. Um, we also celebrate, uh, just we heard that there's power that's been turned on in a lot of our families and those affected by our families uh, in Florida. We celebrate that. Um, and we also want to send our, our sympathies to other people as well. Um, I couldn't tell it till this day, but um, you all know our nursery director, Shelly Kitchen, um, and uh, her grandson, uh, James Jameson, comes in quite often. Uh, Jameson uh, had some younger brothers that were born, some uh, infants that were born. They were twins. Uh, they had a long journey ahead of them. One of them has passed away. Uh, I couldn't share that with you until they had told uh, the whole family and then told, but uh, I've been given permission to share that. Uh, I know Shelly and Jameson would cover your prayers as well as others in those families. Uh, but we want to also uh, lift up Willie, his life. Uh, even though it was short, it was well-lived in the honoring of God. And so we, we lift up Willie in, in our hearts today. Uh, his brother EJ is uh, still in the hospital. We want to pray for him. And uh, he's doing well, but not out of the woods by any means. And so let's continue to pray for EJ. And I know you all uh, want to extend our love to, to Shelly and family as well. Uh, some other prayer concerns. We have a bunch of listed there, but I do want to just lift up again. We had a prayer concern and a praise that Elise Pickett was in a car accident. I saw the pictures. Uh, it was a lot worse than maybe just a fender bender, uh, but Elise is okay. And so we're celebrating that, that uh, she's a young woman, a wonderful young woman, uh, that she's looks like she's going to be able to walk away from that uh, with just a, a hurt car and nothing else. Um, finally, I do want to mention that uh, we had another prayer request for Sophia Salas, uh, who had a blood clot, uh, and um, she was a 14-year-old going through all sorts of different things, but we want to lift her up at this time, too. We also see those in long-term care that we continue to lift up, as well as those in active military service that are printed in our bulletin. And uh, once again, this altar rail is open. If you want to come meet with God, you can do that in a special way this morning. Let's now go to the Lord in our time of prayer.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are honored and privileged to be here today. Not because of anything that we've done or any way that we've earned your love, but God, that your love has been lavished upon us day after day, time after time. Just like the beating of the ocean waves, it is constantly tugging at our hearts, reminding us to not put our faith or our hope or our intrinsic love into this world, but Lord, to once again look to you. See the kingdom of God that's coming to this earth in a fullness of life and breath. We take part in that. We thank you, Lord, for your love that's been poured out for us, for Jesus Christ coming to this earth, for dying on the cross for our sins, for that third day rising again. My God, you have conquered death and hell and Hades and fear altogether. And in your graciousness, you have extended that eternal life to us as well. So God, we claim that here again today. Again, celebrating your goodness of which it is offered freely to us. In which, God, when we accept it, it also changes our hearts and our lives. For God, any that would hear this prayer or be part of this time with us, that God, if they are far from you, may their hearts be found now. May they cry out, my Lord, my God, as they meet with you. And may their spirit be united with ours as we cry out to you that you are our good Father, whom we worship with all that we are. We ask for guidance in these days ahead, not to do our will, but yours. For God, as we look at this world, we see a momentary affliction, a thing that's like a vapor or a steam that's here in the morning and gone later. And God, we put our faith in you and in eternity. Be part of your kingdom. God, as we're here today, we know there are many burdens, many things going on. And but our hearts, again, just celebrate with so many goodness, and we do take time to remember that there's good going on in this world, despite all that else goes on, and that even though things may divide us at times, even though great hurt and calamity come upon us, even though lives and our dreams may be torn out from underneath us, that we know that you're not going to give up, that your arm is strong and your grip is firm, and you hold us and you keep us. So God, we celebrate that truth here today. May God, for those that need that strength, be upgirded here in these moments. For those that need their hearts set aflame once again, that may have fallen in love with the things of this world instead of your kingdom. Maybe once again be turned to you. God, for all the ways in which maybe we don't jump out of the boat to run to our neighbors who are in need, God, give us strength and the love to be courageous. For in all those ways in our hearts, we try to hide in closets that our sin or our anger or whatever it is, Lord, we confess to you now. May God, we ask once again that you would take up the causes that are righteous, through those things that need set right in the world, that you would fight the battle for. God, we do pray for our hearts. We pray for this church. We pray for the church worldwide and all the believers that join with us in worshiping you this day. Keep us steady with you. Keep us faithful to you. Give us courage to go out into this world. Give us the words that are kind yet truthful. And may always, God, we reflect your glory. We pray, Lord, for the world itself, for nuclear things that are always going on, as well as wars. We pray for peace. We pray for the threat of war, that, Lord, it would end, that nations and leaders and those that are capable of such measures, Lord, would back down. Lord, choose peace above all and love of even those that are different, and respect for those that may not look like them. 
God, we do pray again for the world leaders, not only in matters of war, but also for just these days. May they be given wisdom and to, Lord, make sure that everybody on earth has food, that everybody on earth has opportunity to provide for their family, that has housing over their head, that even our enemies would have water to drink and clean water to eat. That we want a world that looks like your kingdom. So we pray for that here now. We pray for our first responders, bring them home safely to their families. And finally, God, we pray that prayer that marks us as your people, that prayer that you taught, that those that would say it would identify with you. So we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Into the place, uh, place in our service this morning, it's time um, to give a little bit back to God. We have offering plates in the back of the church. You can drop an offering in. You can mail an offering, a check here to 512 Main Street in Groveport, and you can also access our online giving program through the Ezekiel program, which is accessible through our website. Will you all please stand for the doxology? <laughs> source of freedom, I know that all I have received is from your hand. You call us to be stewards of your abundance, the caretakers of all you have entrusted to us. Help us to always use your gifts wisely and teach us to share them generously. May our faithful stewardship bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, church. Hello to those online as well. Good morning to you. And we are starting a new sermon series. 
Okay, good, yeah. So, <laughs> never know sometimes. I'm looking around to see if anybody's like, oh, no, not a new one. But anyways, but we're so glad to be in worship with you here today. And uh, for those online as well that you join with us. And uh, we're going to be doing something maybe a little different that we haven't done in just a little bit. Uh, and that is that we're going to jump into Scripture. Uh, but instead of getting kind of into a specific Scripture and to really jump in and delve into uh, maybe a, a very kind of close-up view of a certain couple verses, uh, I want to take some time and do a little bit more kind of uh, backed up view, if you will, you know, kind of as if you're on your MapQuest or whatever, or MapQuest doesn't even exist anymore, on your maps, on your phone app, right, and you zoom out, you hit that minus button, and it kind of zooms out kind of thing, and you see more of the lay of the land. I wanted to do something like that, and so I um, wanted to, us to look at just some of the letters of Paul. It's the next four weeks we're going to be looking at uh, four letters of Paul, so if you want to get ahead of yourself, uh, we're going to do Galatians today. Next week will be the book right after that, which is Ephesians, right? If you want to get ahead even more, you can go to Philippians. And if you want to go ahead even more, you can go to Colossians. Now, when I was little, and by little, I mean like a teeny, well, I was like in my teeny kind of years, kind of teeny bopper years. Uh, I remember uh, my, either my youth pastor or someone told me this, you know, and you're told a whole bunch of things when you're trying to, you know, go to church and do all this stuff as a kid. And most of it, you know, a lot of you don't remember. But sometimes just something sticks with you. And I'll have you know, out of all the things that stuck with me, this one did, knowing the order of these four books. And you would say, well, pastor, how do you remember this? It's because of this. It was a little, one of those kind of mnemonic devices that says, God's Electric Power Company. Now, that has no relevance for anything other to know than other than the order of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But yet, it has stuck with your pastor. And I pass that great knowledge on to you now. May you be blessed here. So we're calling our sermon series uh, God's Electric Power Company, naturally, but uh, you can understand as we look at these books, we'll be uh, kind of looking at not just specific verses, but we're going to be looking at just kind of the whole idea of why were these books written? What was the point of them? And, and kind of some big, huge thrust of each book that we can take with us. But first, let us pray. Lord, as we're gathered here today, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, for Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, when we look at books of the Bible, especially the letters of Paul, there's a few things we always want to keep in, in track in your mind. And so as you're reading through any of the books of the letters of Paul or any of the epistle letters that you see in the New Testament, there's a few things you want to keep in mind uh, to that. Uh, number one, remember this, that it was a great cost to send letters in the ancient world. In fact, it was extremely costly because not only did you have to find a scribe, you had to take the time to sit down with that scribe and write out the letter, and then you had to actually get someone to go to deliver said letter. That was after you bought the really expensive materials to actually write it down in the first place and that. And so you never were guaranteed that your letter would even get there. So to take, it was a great act of faith, a great act of cost, a great taking upon oneself to even write a letter. And the fact that these letters were not only written, but then they went to wherever they were sent to, and those people said, this is a good letter, let's hold on to it. They didn't just rip it up, right, and throw it out. But they held on to it and used it. In fact, other churches said, hey, that letter actually really means something. Even though it wasn't written to us, we want a copy of it too. And they took the time to actually copy it and send it over until all the churches of the areas had these letters, right? That's how this happens in history. And so it's kind of funny and ironic to think that a church in Alexandria, Egypt, for instance, had copies of letters that were sent to the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians in the first place because it wasn't written to them, right? It was written to some specific, specific group of people. And yet we can remember that and how powerful these letters must have been. And in such an ancient world, they were given this authority to, to be copied on. 
But they were written, of course, for the second reason, is because the person who's writing them couldn't actually go visit the place themselves. And so if you think about that, they wouldn't be writing this letter if they had the opportunity to actually travel, because that was the first thing they do. They first would just get up and go to the place if there was something that needed addressing. They would go do it in person and handle it in person. And secondly, if they couldn't do it, they would send somebody on their behalf if there was somebody worthy. And then third option was to send the letter, right? And so it's maybe kind of one of these cool quinky dinks in history if uh, you're not a believer in God, or if you're a believer in God, maybe God's had his hand in it, that the, sometimes the apostles weren't able to go travel to wherever they needed to go. In fact, they couldn't even send a representative for them on behalf of them. They had to send a letter. And the fact that they wrote it down, it comes to us today exactly to the people that they wrote it to in the first place. And so as you were reading these, we need to remember not only are these the words of the apostles, but they're words written to a church for specific reasons. And so uh, as many times as we read it and we try to apply it directly to our lives, a lot of times we have to think back and what was going on in that church? Why was this letter written? This is what we want to delve into today during this time. But before we get to that, I wanted to show you uh, a couple things here first. And so uh, we have a little PowerPoint slide here that we should uh, be able to move forward and uh, let you know a couple things about uh, this book. So I mentioned to you uh, that I, I first heard about God's Electric Power Company and VBS. Kind of, I think, if my memory is correctly, because I didn't really have VBSs growing up. My churches didn't do it, but we did almost like VBS things for that. Uh, if you could go ahead and move forward for the next slide uh, here today. Now, you might ask yourself uh, this question. It's always worthy to say, well, where is these books, right? Where are these written to? And in fact, uh, Galatians is a very unique book for a number of reasons. The first one is this, is it's not an actual town. It's not a place. It's not a city, if you will. It is a place in the sense that it's a region. And so this is one of the unique books of the Bible that wasn't written specifically to a specific church, for instance, in Colossae or to Philippi or somewhere like that. This was written to an area called Galatia. And the other thing to know about this is Galatia was sort of the derogatory term for that area. So when you said Galatians, it was not exactly most uh, tactful, I guess, in some ways, and most, most tasteful, if you will. In some ways, you were basically saying, hey, this is the area of the barbarians. Right? And so when Paul writes to the Galatians, there's some words that are going in there, even by using this term and this area. But it was written to a group of churches for them to understand what was going on. I'm going to go ahead and go to the next slide. But this book is also unique because, of course, there's a problem. Um, in some books, we have problems. Some we don't. But this book, we absolutely, this letter, that is, we have a big problem that's going on. And here's the problem, essentially. So when... Christianity first started, it was a bunch of Jewish people who believed their faith in Christ. And so they were Jews, and now they were Jews who believed in Jesus. The question was, is as it started spreading in this gospel message of Jesus and his resurrection, and Jesus sending them out to all the nations of the world, the question was, if you are Gentile, and you put your faith in Christ, do you first have to be Jewish, right? And what parts of the Jewish part of it still are valid, right? And if you stop and think about it, that's a huge, huge question. And the church had to deal with this actually in chapter, uh, Acts chapter 15. And so they actually dealt with this, and, and there were kind of different theories and thoughts on it, but eventually the church came together and said, God is extending his grace to the people all around the world. We see all God's Holy Spirit through this. Therefore, let them only do these two things. Let them not drink the blood of animals pretty much and do some bloody things like that, which they said, nope, don't do that. And they actually said, let them be sexually moral, if you will, and then they said, uh, other than that, like, we're not going to require anything of the Jewish uh, law in their life, in a sense. Now, you might stop there and say, uh, Pastor, 
what about like the Ten Commandments? Uh, the answer was, is that was the moral code. They expected you to keep living the Ten Commandments, right? But the idea was, is what makes you Jewish? And in the ancient world, the way you were Jewish was because you had the sign of the covenant in your life. And specifically, that was through something that happened to the male body when they were young, when, when they were first born, is that there was this act of circumcision. And uh, every time when I taught this when I was a youth pastor, kids would go, hee, 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 So I was wondering if you guys would laugh and, and whatever. But uh, as you're here today, there's no way around it. Like, there was this act of circumcision, which uh, was actually um, a pretty public thing. For instance, it's kind of awkward to think about this, but uh, if you went down to the local bath, you were just hanging out naked, right? And everybody saw, if you were circumcised, everybody knew you were circumcised. If you went to uh, go do sports, you went down to the, you know, kind of complex arena, if you will, kind of area, and you did your sports naked, right? And there were all these kind of weird, kind of, that we think of weird, I should say, kind of aspects of life that you would just run in and know specifically that person is Jewish. This person is not, right? It was just, it was there blatantly right in front of your eyes, so to speak, uh, in those moments. And the question was, is, is, as this kind of got going, there was a group of people and the apostles themselves and all the church that said, look, people who are Gentile don't have to be circumcised to have faith in Christ. But there were these other people, they called them the Judaizers. And the Judaizers said this, is you absolutely, as a Gentile, have to be circumcised in order to be in the faith of Christ. And so this started going around. In fact, it got to the point where churches that had had people standing, you know, being together and worshiping and even eating together was a large part of church. The potlucks started from the beginning, y'all. It's a, it's a holy thing, right? Don't stop the potlucks. But they would have potlucks, if you will, and eat together. It got to the point where there were the uncircumcised people could sit at this table in some places, and the circumcised people were over here. And the apostles, you know, were the teachers and the, the people leading the congregation were supposed to only go over here because these were the true holy people. These other people, they kind of let them through the door, but you know, it's kind of like this. And in fact, if you, you read Galatians, it's interesting because Paul takes this on head on. In fact, he even mentions that this was a very persuasive argument for a lot of people. A lot of people were falling into it, that, that the, Jew, the, the, the Gentiles, for instance, had to become Jews first before they could put their faith in Christ. And in fact, as we read it, one of the interesting things that uh, we only find out in Galatians, and we don't read about this really anywhere else, is Paul and Peter had an argument, Right? You're like, wait, what? It's in there. It's in Galatians. It actually talks about how Paul had to actually go to Peter because Peter, at some point, caved in and started going only hanging out with these people. Now, he didn't preach that you had to be it, but he started hanging out only with them because that's what they wanted him to do. And Paul had to call him out at one of the meetings in one of the, the churches, and he said, I called him out. Guess what? He, Paul actually was right in the argument. Paul, uh, Peter, that is, actually con you know, conceded that he was being right and actually changed his ways. And he was reminded of this story. And so as you read Galatians, this is the big act that is going on. And so Paul doesn't word this. He doesn't, he's not coy about his stance at all. And so, for, for instance, uh, here's a, a, a quote from the book of Galatians that you can read. Lie broker. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So one of the first, one of the, at the beginning of the book, one of the first things he says, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, right? Now, I don't know if you, you know, know pastors that get kind of fiery sometimes, but Paul was fired up, needless to say. And in fact, normally when you read a book, one of the other unique things about Galatians is that when you read the beginning, Paul says normally these words, whenever he writes a letter, he writes to the church, he says, hey, I am Paul, I'm Paul, the, you know, you know me, I'm Paul, I'm Paul, the will of God. 
uh, blessings and may the glory of Christ be upon you, all these things. And then he normally says, I give thanks to God every single moment when I remember you because I see your faith, right? Well, when you read Galatians, when that part of I thank God every time I see you, it actually doesn't say those words. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly uh, deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. In other words, when Paul saw this going on, he realized what was at the stake of it. What was at stake was not the idea that you put your faith in Christ, Christ's actions on the cross. What he saw at stake was the idea that people were starting to put their faith in their actions before they could put their faith in Christ. Paul said, no. No, no, no. Unquivocally, no, no, no. And he reminds them in this book time and time again of the Old Testament uh, heroes, if you will, and how Abraham was a man of faith that had no outward sign or no, no any of that. In fact, Abraham, who was the one that first started with the whole circumcision thing, before he was even circumcised, right, there was this act of faith in his life, and that was what was credited to him as righteous. He reminds the people these words. And throughout it, he reminds them over and over again that it is faith in Christ, Christ in his work, over and over and over, that there's no hindrance coming to Christ other than faith in Him. There's no way to God that you have to go through or hoop or hurdle that you have to do. You don't have to become a Gentile that turns Jewish before you can be a Jesus follower. You are available here and now to find the Son of God and to put your faith in Him. Paul is adamant about that. And when Peter slipped kind of up and kind of started, not, you know, I don't think he meant to do it on purpose, but when he, when he started kind of doing his actions and his actions sort of started insinuating that that was the case. Paul called him out. Peter, who the church was built upon, the rock, said, you're right. He started not doing those things that he was doing. It's amazing in this book, because there's so many acts in this book that so many verses we could focus on, but I wanted to focus on this one here today that we read. Because I think um, it's, it's kind of misused today of what it's actually saying. And I don't want to lose the profoundness and the depth of what Paul is actually writing here. I remember um, uh, doing a lot of Bible studies and, and leading them. You know, one of them, uh, long-term Bible studies like Disciple. There's another one called Covenant. And if I remember correctly, I kind of get them crisscrossed because each one has sort of the same format. What they do is there's a couple people, pastors, and they interview other kind of scholarly people, if you will, and they, they talk about a certain aspect of faith as they walk through reading the whole Bible. And so both are just a great, amazing things, and you'll learn all sorts of stuff. You'll hear points of view that you're like, I don't agree with that whatsoever, right? Uh, and on things like that. But when I was going through it, there was one lady that talked about this idea that went to this verse, and she said, you know what? When I read these verses, that you all are sons of God through faith in Christ. For you were all baptized in Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are belong to Christ. You are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. And I remember sitting there reading when she read that. She said, now, I don't think Paul means that there's none of these, right? What he really meant to say was this. And then she goes on and gives her kind of thought. And I remember thinking, well, that's not what it says at all, right? <laughs> and in fact, kind of a lot of times when this verse is used, it's kind of under this idea that there's people of all, you know, of, of diversity, if you will, and, and that's true. There's all sorts of diversity and all these things, but his point is not that we all claim these different diverse things. His point is that those diverse things aren't even our true identities anymore, right? That we're relinquishing all those things. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free.
there is neither uh, you know, uh, 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 male or female. And what he's saying about there, right there, is, hey, your whole faith, your whole identity, your whole being now is found in Christ Jesus. And I think he understood. Yeah, I know you guys live in Galatia, right? And I, today he would talk to us. I know you guys are American. That shouldn't be your primary thought, right? Your primary thought should be, I am a child of God. If anything else comes before that thought, you got to knock it off the pedestal because it's idolatry. He goes on and he goes on to say in this book, then one of the unique things he says, see what letters I write with my own hand. And so in other words, when this original letter was written, Paul literally took it from the scribe. And we think uh, because of this, Paul maybe had bad eyesight, but he actually takes the pen and writes that sentence in the book, which is for sure 100% Paul writing this. And we know for a fact that at some point there was a piece of paper that was written to this church that had Paul's you know, signature, if you will, on it when he wrote it. He was so adamant that church, hey, church, don't forget. There's no hurdle to come to Christ. There's no thing you have to do before you come to Jesus Christ. There's no other way to faith. Faith itself in Christ and his work is what saves you, what changes you. There's no other identity. There's no become a good United States citizen before you can be a Christian. There's no good you come and be whatever you want to put on that pedestal, if you will. It's to come to Jesus Christ, to him alone. So let us do so. Lord, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for your word. As we continue to look through these books and what is shared with them, Lord, we remember that uh, your word speaks. God, we we are thankful that these books have come down to us, these letters that Paul wrote. And guys, we're here today, we remember how adamant Paul was fighting for your truth. That Jesus, you're available to all. That if we take that faith, Lord, you change our lives, you transform us. That God, the primary being of who we are, the primary lens in which we see this earth, is to be a child of God. And so God, no matter where we are on the face of this earth, whether we speak the language, whether we have cultural differences, the clothes may look different, all these things, but if we have faith, in you, we encounter another Christian that has faith in you, that we're deeper brothers than our next-door neighbors that look like us and talk like us and think like us. As we come to this table, Lord, we remember these great things and this truth that has been passed down to us. We remember, Lord, how you have turned us into a mighty people, redeemed by your grace, by the passing of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We remember how on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, you took bread and broke it. You gave it to your disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, you took the cup, gave thanks to the Lord and gave it to your disciples and said, take this and drink. This is the blood of my new covenant poured out for you and for many, the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as an unending sacrifice for Jesus, in union with your sacrifice for us. May you be upon these elements of both bread and wine, that they may be for us the body of Christ, and that, God, we may be united as one to you until you finally come in your heavenly kingdom. May all glory and honor be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping with communion to come forward at this time.
As you do come, I do want to mention just a few different things for you uh, today. If you're not a member of our church, you're not a member of our denomination, uh, you are still welcome to this table. Uh, this is a table that we believe is open to anyone who wants to experience Jesus Christ. And in fact, if uh, Paul was here, I think he would preach. You don't have to be a Methodist to come and experience Jesus Christ. Kind of goes with the message, right? I think it's open to uh, not be a hurdle for anybody that wants to meet with Jesus. Know also that uh, we'll be taken by intention, which just simply means you just rip off a piece of bed, dip it in the cup. But alternatively, and then you take it that way. But alternatively, we do have some prepackaged elements that are up here. So if you feel more comfortable uh, using those, you're welcome to. They're available for any who would have that. Uh, let us now go to the Lord uh, in our time. Tables prepared.
Lord, we thank you for your love that's been proven toward us again. Amen. us once again here today. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, Saturday will be our normal charge conference, so come on out. We'll celebrate the life that our church has had this past year, a lot of the ministries that we've done, and uh, then take care of some of the normal business that we do. All are, all are welcome to attend, of course, and come be part of that. Uh, as we go, uh, another unique thing about Galatians is Paul's final words are pretty short. So we'll be short here today, too. He says to the Galatians, simply, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us go.